La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding, ding, dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum. Tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. Bonjour rugby friends and welcome to a new editions of the French Rugby Connections podcast with moi, your host, Véronique Landieu, with a big smile on my face and... <laughs> and with moi, Tom Dixon, also smiling. Yes, but having said that, you were born and bred in England, so you probably have a few mixed feelings, you know. <laughs> I have some mixed feelings, but let's come back to the last part of the last podcast where I said that I supported France and you said you supported England. Did I? No, <laughs> I, I never said that. We'll I have to go back to the that. recording and chat. I, I said I think I only support England when they don't play against France. Ah, okay. That's that's a difference. That's a main difference. But that's, that's why I'm going to be rooting for England when they play against Ireland on Saturday. I would love to see a miracle happening, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so, yes, I was slightly convicted and conflicted. What a great game. If you are a French supporter, obviously, but, you know, my heart bled for the English. <laughs> they, they, they were not up to scratch. As you know, I went to the press conference for Le Crunch last week in which Steve Boswick, you know, mentioned his new team structure with Ellis Genge, Marcus May starting. And Owen Farrell at the bench. So it was very much, you know, what all the journalists focused on. But well, I had a few questions for, on behalf of French. Unfortunately, we ran out of time, so I didn't have a chance to, to ask my question. But they were, I think they were quite confident of the new strategy and good on Steve Borthwick because he's been in charge of the England team in the last three games, whereas He was saying during the press conference, Steve Bothwick, not sorry, Steve, but Fabien Gatier has been in charge for the last three years project. So there's a, a massive, massive. Oh, a huge difference. But exactly. But let's pick up those points. And choosing Alice Genge as the captain is a hell of a statement to make. We are England. We are a scrum. No scrum, no win. We're going to thrash you as soon as we as we scrum down and we know you've got Aldegheri as a fourth choice. It was a statement that backfired a little, wasn't it? It was. Getting Marcus Smith on rather than Aaron Farrell. I, I, I mean, the poor guy, but I don't think we can rush to any judgment about whether that was right or wrong because any number 10 faced with just no ball coming from his forwards or no ball happening from anyone around him would look a bit average. So in fairness to Marcus Smith, I, I would say he had a terrible game, but he, he didn't. He, we can't say he showed himself badly or well because he didn't get a chance to play any rugby. You know what? France outplayed England in a massive, massive way. They shared, they were more powerful. They had more flair, more class. The speed was absolutely tremendous. And I think, you know, because they started the competition in a kind of average way, I think they were on like a third gear. So obviously there were a few players that were missing and Greg Aldrich didn't really show his true colors. And I remember, I think last week, Fabien Gatier did say that he wasn't too happy about the way 
France played in his previous matches, he did say he qualified their performance as moyennas, which is a made name that means average, average. Yes. And he did say at the beginning of the tournament, you see, you know what, the best is yet to come. And I think, you know, the definitely the French were on fire. And I think the fact that, you know, it meant such, such a lot, you know, for the French team yeah. to play and get the win because it had been 18 years since the last one in the temple of rugby, Aka Twickenham. So uh, it, we, we were so honored to see rugby of that quality as a match d'ontology. It's a, one they'll be talking about for 20 or 30 years and it'll be all over YouTube with little clips on Facebook every every couple of days. It it was wonderful. It's true, France did terribly against Italy, showed great disrespect. They didn't move out of second gear, let alone third gear. So, so to see them playing properly, they had a very good, very exciting first half against Ireland. But this weekend, they showed they could play for 80 minutes faultlessly. And yes, they dominated in every area, every position. England had about five minutes where they looked okay. It was astounding. Yes, yeah. No, something wasn't really gelling. I mean, the I, I know that Fabien Gatier is very keen of the high intensity regime, and you could see, especially you know when Damien Penault scored not only one try at the seventy second minute, but on the tw- three minutes later on the seventy tw- fifth minute. I told you, Damien Penault is very much super, super, super winger. He, he is, absolutely. He showed it then. And England were just so fed up and so knackered and so used up that they had no mentality to to keep the Test match going. But it must be terrible being a rugby player when you're about to take, take 50 points. Record, well, it's all about record margins of victory, isn't it? In this match, England has only been beaten by that twice before. So this was their third. France has never won by that much before, and England and the first half in twenty-seven-three. So France is twenty-four points ahead, and that had never been suffered before by England. No, so, but um, no, we know we you know we need to take things into perspective because I'm going to tell you a quote from Antoine Dupont that he mentioned. I'm going to say in French because it's called the French rugby connection. On peut être fier, mais il y a quatre ans ici, on avait pris 30 points en 30 minutes et à la mi-temps, on ne voulait plus ressortir du vestiaire. Il faut s'en souvenir et rester humble. He said basically is they are very proud of winning the game last Saturday but they have to remain humble because four years ago, within 30 minutes, England scored 30 points. I remember. Yes, and they were so ashamed of the performance. They didn't even even want to come out of their changing room. And that's what he said, you know, we need to remember this and we need to remain humble. And I have to say, you know, the, the behavior of the French and even the English team, you know, were extraordinary after yeah. the match finished. And this Genge was very humble as well as in, in his reply. He said it was outplayed and wasn't great. But they will fight back yeah, on Saturday. The, the English camp were, were upset because they didn't know what had gone wrong. They didn't know what they could have done differently. It takes time to digest and analyse and learn from it. 
everybody in these circumstances, they always say it, but it's true that they're, they're keen to learn, keen to get better. But it just shows the chasm that exists between the, the first division of rugby at the moment and the second division that England is very firmly in. As you said, next week England are playing against Ireland, the best team in the world, according to the rankings, at home in Dublin on St. Patrick's Day on a Grand Slam winning weekend. There's nothing going for it. It's a real test of character to pick themselves up and to try and do something against Ireland. But France, France are begging England to do well this weekend because they can uh, make France (laughs) the Six Nations champions. Uh, I think that's rather ambitious. Well, we'll see. I think uh, statistically it's possible. Yeah, I I think all of world rugby is just in awe at Ireland. There's going to be an enthronement at Dublin this weekend and a a few months down the road there's going to be an enthronement of Leinster in Dublin. And then the World Cup starts. It's not neutral territory, it's in Paris. And Ireland will be trying to best France in France. So it's interesting times ahead. But uh, yeah, England are not up there in the fight. It's it, it, we'll watch the others and just enjoy the beautiful rugby they're playing. Yeah. So talking about how France could win the tournament, because I said to you there are some stats. Right, yes. France are four points behind Ireland mm-hmm. and have a goal difference deficit of twenty points. Yes, correct. So so if, if France are have to respect Wales, but France are playing Wales at home at the start of France. I think they that will be a solid win, and they may even be looking for 20 points plus to try mm-hmm. and reduce the goal difference, in which case England, later in the day, would have to beat Ireland, which by definition means reducing Ireland's goal, goal mm-hmm. difference, making the, it would be negative for the match, and that would leave France ahead. If if and that's if Ireland don't get a bonus defensive, if England beats Ireland well, again that's quite unlikely, but it's possible. It's only twenty-two men against twenty-two men, and everything is possible in eighty minutes. So Ireland would have to fail to get a bonus point, and France would have to thrash Wales for France to win. And if Ireland do get a, a bonus point defensive, then the goal difference has to be twenty points in France's favour. Mm-hmm. Um, and look forward to it. It's almost one to sit out in a local well-known Irish hostelry and enjoy St. Patrick's Day with a pint or two of the black stuff. I'm just looking forward yeah. to it. it, it I, I think I'll be sitting in a pub uh, at 8 o'clock on Saturday watching France get disappointed and England getting disappointed. But nothing to be disappointed about. Ireland has been spectacular. France didn't quite play the second half well enough against Ireland to take a victory away. But the first half was of a quality rarely seen in the Six Nations. Correct. And it's all been so exciting. This whole competition has been streets ahead of what we normally get year after year. And the quality has been spectacular. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's talking about the, the players, the French players, which one did you think was really exceptional? Oh, the the poor decision of the guys having to give a man of the match award. I think Dante could have got it because he really bossed the match. Yes. Olivon was brilliant and scored two tries. Cyril Bayer was fantastic. Thibaut Flamand scored two tries. He's really showing himself well. 
Aldrit, of course, on top of it, it really showed how England don't have a number eight at the moment. Aldrit. That uh, is correct. Aldrit, so, uh, and then Dupont, obviously, oh, his 50 22 off, off his wrong foot was absolutely fantastic. So, uh, I mean, that's six people at the top of my head who could share the man of the match award. And also, I think Roman Tamak had a, a really good game. He, yes. It's very difficult for him to shine, but his job is to make things quickly. And mm-hmm. on the whole, they're good decisions, but not all of them are going to be. But if the rest of the team can make it work, even the bad ones, he's happy. Mm-hmm. But his all-round game and the speed of his delivery really helped it. So he's had a lot of bad press yesterday, so hats off to him. Cha- chapeau, Romain. Definitely, yeah. So who did I leave? Who, who would you put up on that lot? I mean, all, um, all of them get a... Yeah, definitely. Did you mention uh, Damien Penaud? Damien Penaud as oh, well. Oh, no, of course, man on the wing. I uh, think extremely difficult, you know, to find best the best player. But obviously, you know, the, Thomas Ramos was the one who got elected, apparently, man of the match. But there were so many. I think it was a great team team yeah. for uh, effort. They played very efficiently. They were very clinical with cl- lots of precision. He was so emotional <laughs> after the game, you know, when he was interviewed by the French TV, he shed a few tears of, of joy because he meant so much. And he did dedicate the match to Monsieur Bernard Laporte, who was <laughs> the last, who was the last coach who won against Les Bleus in Twickenham in 2018. When Yakvili you know, kicked 18 points from from his boots, and the reason why Fabien Gatier, you know, wanted to dedicate the game to Bernard Laporte is that it was thanks to Bernard Laporte that Fabien Gatier got the job in 2019. He was first recruited as a consultant to help out Jacques Brunel when he took over the reins from from or the former Toulouse. I forgot his name. Oh, Guinoves. Guinoves, that Guinoves is correct. Guinoves was kicked out. Um, yes. So he started, you know, providing some consultancy to Jacques Brunel. And after, the in 2019, in which France did pretty well to win us with you because they only lost in the quarterfinal and only, only because... They got a st- stupid red card from one one player, but it's water under the bridge. Yeah. And from then, you know, he had that ambition of making sure that France would become again a nation in which uh, that would be admired for its rugby and for French people to fall in love with with rugby as well. And yes, and here we are. Here we are. So in six months' time, the Rugby World Cup will take place on the 8th of September. So everything's to play. But it's going to be a tough, tough one for, for the French because they are in the same pool as... New Zealand. Correct. Ireland. Yes. South Africa. Correct. Gosh, what a ridiculous yes. sport. <laughs> it is. What, what a shame, what a shame. And England, I think, has to, is in the same pool as... Japan, I believe, yeah. Samoa, and um, Argentina. Argentina, Argentina, who beat England yes. last year. Yes. They're playing on the first weekend. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw today, because I'm going to Marseille for that match, England against Argentina, and I saw today there is a, a cruise ship that is is being taken over by a rugby fans to do a rugby cruise around the Mediterranean. And they are it's basically discos, watching big screen rugby matches, going to the matches. And it's thousands of pounds a match. 
but it would be quite fun if you if you ha- if you had deep enough pockets and an understanding spouse but the, the scale of it is massive rugby tourism is is really something isn't it you see that at the, on the lions tours but also i saw on the plane on saturday dozens and dozens of people heading to london from france and when you heard the Marseillaise sang at Trickenham, it was pretty much louder than God Save the King. I actually only heard once this, this song, Dream Sweet Low. Is it Sweet Low, Sweet Chariot at the beginning? And then silence. And I heard three or four times La Marseillaise. Well, I, I wish I would have been there. What a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere. If you are French, of course. And as we know, a large majority of supporters left before the end of the, of the game. But they missed the wonderful try from Damien Penault at the 72nd and 75th minutes, which were extraordinary. They did, they did everything. They, they really showed the, the yeah. good game. So, yes, it's, I think what happens in rugby, the teams go through, through a peak. I don't know how to say that. Yes, there's was, a cycle, that, the World Cup cycle that every four years. But you mentioned France being defeated in 2019. Correct. They lost, they lost 44 to. 44 points to eight against England at Trickenham. And at that point, they pretty much said, okay, let's write off this coming World Cup, 2019 World Cup. Let's get rid of all the oldies, bring in the next generation who yes. had won the under-20s World Cup. And if we if we don't do well in the 2019 World Cup, say la vie, it will give the youngsters experience. And we'll build a team for four years' time for the 2023 World Cup that we're holding in France. And that's exactly what's happened. This isn't being wise in retrospect. It was planned for and discussed at the time. And frankly, that's what England has yet to do. If it is a question of getting in the youngsters for the World Cup after that, this World Cup, England, about sixth in the ranking at the moment, possibly yeah. possibly a bit lower before the World Cup starts after this coming weekend. So there's something to be said. Yeah, they may get through the quarterfinals through the luck of the draw, but they'd never get through a semi-final on this show. Maybe I'm being no, no, I'm not. I'm being. I'm not being pessimistic. So why not yet let the Marcus Smith youngsters run wild and get the experience and build the team for four years' time? Because it seems that a four-year cycle is well established in rugby. But you know, one thing that has happened in the French rugby is that obviously you remember the time where. French rugby was criticized, especially top 14, because it was the perfect ground for international players mm. to retire and to be paid a salary of a CEO. Yep. So since then, you know, they have instituted what they call a, a GIF, J-I-F, which basically ensures that there is a minimum quota of uh, academy players and French players in, in the team when a team plays in the top four team. And it's something that, and it is working really well, as you know, but if we talk about the new generation, the Dupont, Tam, they just arrived at that time, at the perfect timing when the GIF, you know, institution came to play, the, the GIF rules to play. Because if you look at the premiership right now, what you will notice is that there is a plethora of South African Argentinian foreign players. So I think in terms of growth for the premiership, you know, where the next generation is coming from, I, th- I think there is a, a gap, you know, I think the RFU probably needs to, 
to yeah. have a think of where the next talents will be coming from. Absolutely. The problem is that rugby in England and Wales, certainly, it doesn't have any money and can't keep the superstars. And this might be a blessing in disguise. If the superstars go off to France to play, then they have to play the youngsters and give them experience and bring them on. So I'm quite optimistic about that. But France has always had the, the big money world superstar players, but they play alongside the youngsters. When Antoine Dupont came, he, he was playing with Byron Kelleher, Luke McAllister, and Jerome Kainu, friend of the pod. The, these people with World, world Cup medals sitting in their sock drawer. So the, 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 the big money players do teach the youngsters, they give them confidence, they get rid of imposter syndrome. It, it is mutually beneficial. Except it didn't really work out for the English team because you had a mixture of the old guards mixed with the young guards, but it didn't quite pan out. Uh, oh, the English team at the moment, well, they, they haven't finalised the centre pairing and given them a few years to, to play mm. together. I don't know whether you saw it, but the second try, I think it was the second second try of Thibaut Flam, was a no-look option from out of nowhere. Antoine Dupont put in a little cheeky kick behind the line that bounced up for Roman Atamak to tap like a volleyball player outside of him. And Thibaut Flamand was there, caught the ball and fired over, which is the most wonderful try. But none of them looked at each other. None of them had any doubt that they would be there because they played together in, in their club. They they don't need to know. They, <laughs> they, they, they felt Dupont knew that Tamak would be competing for that kick. And Tamak knew that somebody would be on his shoulder and probably Thibaut Flamand. So they could play that game, the automatisme, as we say in French, because they not only do they play together in the club every week, 10 Toulousains in the French squad and one in the English, but they have played together since they were 12, 13, 14, uh, many of these guys. They, they just have the knowledge of playing together, whereas in the English team, it may be oldies and youngsters playing together, but there's no consistency. For a while... A large part of the England team was provided by Saracens, and that coincided with England being quite successful. But then they got demoted and broke up, and so now we've got players from various clubs not really having time to gel. And the most successful rugby teams on the international scale come from one club, very, very largely. You think of Leinster for Ireland, Stade Toulousain for France, the Crusaders for New Zealand, and England is just a hodgepodge that changes every match. So it's no wonder they're, they're not gelling, and with no fixed centre-half pairing, I can't see them getting very far for a long time at all. Yes, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a big, big challenge. It's back to the Back to the drawing board, I think, for for English rugby. Steve Warwick can only do what he can do. You know, he has inherited a team. If you compare the French player versus the English players, did show some <sighs> lack of fitness. They were tired, extremely tired towards the end. But they need to look a little bit of the training regime. And but I'm really, really hoping that they will ramp up. And the re one of the reasons why I think France woke up was because of the defeat that they endured yeah. <laughs> when they played against Ireland because they had been playing 14 times successfully 
Yeah. And losing in Ireland was like a, yeah, a, a smack in, in the face, you know, back to reality. And last week, what it did in Marcus is that he made sure that there was more competition regarding the places. Yeah. You know, for instance, Jonathan Danti wasn't supposed to be there. You know, he was very honest with his performance. Oh, I came back. I, I played really well, but then I played against Brive and I was really bad. He was very honest. And he said to Fabien Gattier, oh, I'm hot. I'm ready to go. And uh, during the press conference, you know, Fabien Gattier said, oh, yeah, um, Fabien um, Danti will be available and is hot. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, you know, he was a bit surprised that he used his, his words. So the question, what about under Eddie Jones? But Eddie Jones was more precise, maybe. He had a plan. I felt that there was no plan in place. Well, they they weren't allowed to play. I mean, it's a bit unfair to say they were exhausted because they were unfit. They were exhausted because France had played them. It uses a lot more energy to run backwards and defend than it does to attack. Um, they, I, I, I think Eddie Jones, it was right to get rid of Eddie Jones. I'd preferred they'd have done it sooner. There's certainly no blame directed at Steve Borthwick for, for this showing. And as I said right at the top of this program, that there's no blame, there's no judgment call about whether Marcus Smith is right or wrong for, for the England squad because he wasn't allowed to play. So I, just hope we don't come up against England versus Australia in, a, in the semi-final of the World Cup. <laughs> Which yeah. with Eddie Jones would love it. But. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you bet you went on that. But uh, I was reading an article from Stephen Jones in the Sunday Times and he was saying that the game really showed the weaknesses of a few players, you know, during that team. So I'm sure there was going to be some new players coming for the game on, on Saturday. Later, Williams won't be able to play on Saturday. And there's been two new players, Emmanuel Meafu and Batis Hegi, who will be part of the 42-player squad. So we don't know. Who knows? They might be part of the team. They might not. But uh, well, the, yes. the, the extraordinary thing is that Emmanuel Merfou has been called up, which is fantastic, but he's not allowed to play for the French team until December. Oh, yes. I remember but, you saying that. But, but, so but that said, again... there, there, there may be some negotiation or some breakthrough if they can find some example before a rules being bent. Because his, his, his 140 kilos, six foot eight, He's a man, monster, and whenever he comes on the pitch, he's a lovely guy. He's from, he's, he lived and got brought up in Melbourne, Australia. He's all the Pacific Island heritage, but he's been in France for over three years and is getting his citizenship, which is nice, but it doesn't actually count much for whether he can play for France or not. That's a five-year residency, but yes. it has changed. They're cutting and changing all the time, and whether he arrived before that rule came in, maybe a reason for appeal but we'll see but no fancy having somebody in your squad who isn't on the face of it allowed to play for your team great yes but but you know what they're going to use him as a <laughs> as part of the preparation but the 14 that have been selected so far are uni atonio from stade rochelet yeah. paul boud rochelet Pat baptiste egui from bayonne your favorite one of your favorite team yeah Thomas Lavo from Stade Rochelet, uh, Emmanuel Meafou, Stade Toulousain. I wasn't aware he was that tall. Six foot eight, you said. Yeah, 140 kilos. That's it even more be... than me. <laughs> <laughs> Johan Tonga from La Rochelle, Bastien Vernetal-Lefer, Bordeaux, Sacha Seger from Pau, 
Pierre-Louis Barassi, Stade Toulousain, Léobert de Lyon, Anthony Boutier, Montpellier, Thomas Termont, Montpellier, Antoine Astoy, Stade Rochelet, Mathis Lebel, Stade Toulousain, and Enzo Rebier from Oyuna. So they are the ones that will be training, you know, with the obviously the usual suspect. Yes, how fantastic. I'm not sure Mathis Lebel will get much of a show because, the, well, it's Italy, so they might be wanting to give people some experience. But our, our wingers were, you like them and I like them as well. And Etienne Dumortier were fantastic. They, they surely keep, get to keep their places, don't they? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Uh, later, uh, Dorian Aldegheri will not be part of the French team on Saturday. Oh, wow. He had such a good match, but he was choice number four standing in for injured people. Correct, correct, you know. And yes, because the reason why you, Antonio is back. Yeah. Aldegheri did really, really, really well. So anyway, let's talk about France against Wales, the last game of the Six Nations. <laughs> Wales have managed to beat Italy last weekend, so have avoided the wooden spoon. But they have not been very strong. This competition, they are going through lots of turmoil, turmoil off the pitch, and coming to coming to the Stade de France, I don't think many people are giving them a chance in hell, especially with France, who are going to be chasing 20 points to clear up their points deficit. I, yeah, I, I think that's a fairly predictable game, Veronique, mm. don't you? Yes, but having said that, you know, again, we have to respect the opponents. Yes. Also, in these games, very often you have an exciting first half. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then the the class comes through. Yes, and also you know Wales have nothing to lose. Indeed, oh. they have their pride to regain. Scotland versus Italy is equally predictable, and Ireland versus England as a neutral, you'd say, is fairly predictable as well. But there is a very important result that could happen for France in Dublin at six o'clock on Saturday night French time. Hmm. Can't wait. And what a wonderful Six Nation tournament. Oh, we've been really treated. Many of the games stand out, especially France versus Ireland, which could be a preview of a World Cup final. And France on Saturday were magnificent. Absolutely sensational, phenomenal, pivotal, brilliant. So there was no top 14 games last week. Uh, some in the Pro D2. Yes, Colomier has dropped a place. The top four stays the same and the bottom four stay the same with just a couple switching places. And Axe is 20 points ahead at the top of the table, have got it in the bag. Then fighting it out are Grenoble, Mont-de-Marsan, Agen, Biarritz and Colomier. This weekend, the big game is Van receiving Oyonnax, so might have a chance to show off their northern quality. And Colomier at home to Aurillac on Friday night, which would lift Colomier out of the middle of the table and back into the promotion contenders. And Biarritz are at home to Nevers. So mm-hmm. Biarritz will always, always give us a fun game. So if you're in France or if you're near a television with correct channels or streaming there is still some club rugby 
But obviously, it's the last day of the Six Nations. Even though it may be a foregone conclusion for many, there'll be lots of excitement to be had. I've got some news for you from Mr. Monsieur Jacques Willis. You may have heard, but he has decided to spend another year uh, yeah. with the Stade Toulousain. That's fantastic. I must say, he didn't have a very good match on Saturday. Neither did many. But normally, he's quite decisive when he comes on at Ernest Vallon. He, he's, he's part of the bomb squad that comes on as a really good finisher. And he'll be getting start up, starting places as well. So, well done, Jack. It's a pleasure to see you. Come on the pod. Let us interview you again about these decisions. And we'll stop it for a Josh Berger at Brennan's. <laughs> We need to get some sponsorship from from them. <laughs> so just to let you know, I I saw a picture as well of Jack Willis who came to see his Stade Toulousain teammates after the game and offered his his T-shirt. I think really? so. It was a very nice uh, gesture, you know, like he was saying, you know, where eleven players, ten players from Stade last Saturday, including one. An additional one was playing for, for England. So, yes, small, small world, small rugby world. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Any other news? Jack Newell, I believe, has assigned, was it La Rochelle? Correct. Absolutely out of the press. Mm-hmm. Ah, gosh. No, but there's, there's lots coming over. It will be a very interesting time. I hope Jack Willis has done a deal with the RFU to be able to continue playing for England whilst he's in Toulouse. It's about time that artificial barrier comes down and he continues to be able to pursue his career on two fronts, for club and for country. Yes, yeah, we we will see because obviously there is the rule. But my understanding is that both weeks might want to relax the the rules. But again, it is not in his hands. But due to the situation of the Premiership with Wasp and Voster who have disappeared from Premiership, you know, suppose the Premiership needs to be a bit more flexible. The Premiership also needs to be more financially secure and it can't do that if it's paying uh, big wages competing with the French. Correct. So time will tell. Indeed. So, amazing weekend. Can't wait. But I'm going to miss so much the Six Nations. The Six Nations this year has been such an amazing championship. We've been spoiled rotten with world-class quality games. The top two teams in the world, of course, and now Northern Hemisphere. And we've seen Scotland waking up brilliantly. We've seen signs of brilliance from Italy. And so the world order is changing more than a little bit, and this, I say, is the final day of the 2022-23 Six Nations Super Saturday. All It's all going to depend on the Ireland versus England game with France and England cheering on England on St. Patrick's Day in Dublin with Ireland playing for a Grand Slam. You can't get hotter than that for a match. You bet, you bet. Au revoir. Au revoir. La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic Glou, 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 font tous les dindons Et la jolie cloche, ding-ding-dong Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum 
avec lui, dit boum, et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. 